You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Kick is live. It is Thursday night, September 8th, Year of Our Lord 2022, brought to you, presented, might I say, by Academy Sports and Outdoors. We're jam-packed, high atop a sunburn, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. We've got some more games to pick tonight. I've still got two big ones left on the board. Some of you thought we weren't going to get to them. No, that's what we have Thursday for. So we will get to Arkansas hosting South Carolina. I'm absolutely going to talk about Brigham Young and Baylor. Where are the upsets, though? Could it be those games? Could it be other games? I've got the old upset detector out tonight, and we're going to talk about a few of them and what the odds may be. Not the point spread odds, but the real world upset odds we'll discuss in just a second. There are a lot of players and a lot of teams with major opportunities. There are some coaches with major opportunities to do some really significant things this Saturday. I'm going to touch on several of them tonight. And Straight up out for blood this week is the Ramen Noodle Express. I've got two more best bets to add on. So we're going to leave this show tonight with half a dozen, and that's before Friday Night Lines. That's before just adding in whatever else may formulate due to line movement. So we're going we're gonna to get right this weekend. They're watching us in Fremont, Nebraska, Salt Lake City, Utah, Fort Worth, Texas, Augusta, Georgia, all tuned in. Remember, kids, Instagram is the place to be, especially during the weekends, because we have not only a lot of footage, a lot of all-access behind the scenes that you only get via the Instagram story, if you're following me, at LateKickJosh. We also have our super secret, non-endorsed by management, Friday Night Lines, live on Instagram. And that is sometime live from Austin, Texas tomorrow night. I'll let you know. I always post it on Twitter and Instagram about an hour before I'm going to go live. So I give you a good 60-minute heads up. But it disappears. It's only live. It disappears after that. And I give you guys a good, solid look at what the model thinks about any games that you're interested in. We're headed to Austin tomorrow, flying down there tomorrow. Uh, excited to see a lot of our friends in Texas. So just make sure you're following all the socials this weekend at Late Kick Josh. Got something else to tell you a little bit later in the show about a product we debuted on the YouTube channel on Saturdays last week. It was a real big hit. We made some tweaks. It's back this week. I'll let you know. In the meantime, let's dive into the show tonight. A number of players that I'm labeling on Step Up Saturday as having a big opportunity to do just that, to step up. Uh, these could be big time impact players. Some of these names, are underdogs this Saturday, but yet are in prime position to be the reason why an upset or two or three may be sprung. And the first one, I would argue, if you're going to see a big upset Saturday, the most important player in the country is Xavier Worthy. I'm not even looking at Quinn Ewers, and he's the quarterback at Texas. I'm looking at who he's throwing it to, Xavier Worthy. The other night on the show, on Tuesday, I said I didn't necessarily pick Texas to pull the upset, but if they do, I said Xavier Worthy will be the reason why, because he's the closest thing since Sark had been at Alabama, that looks like Devontae Smith. And so he's the guy. If you want to give someone 15 or 16 touches in a game, 
He's the guy to do it. It doesn't always mean five-step, seven-step drop, long developing deep routes. That's not what I mean when I say give him 15 or 16 touches. I mean a couple of those. I mean quick slants. I mean that orbit motion stuff Sark does all the time. You can hand it off to him for all I care. I think a lot of the early offensive approach for Texas will also be just quick shots out wide. Get it on the perimeter. See how Alabama's corners match up against your bigger receivers blocking. That is how you have to find offense. Because what you can't do is allow Quinn Ewers to just be assaulted by Dallas Turner and and, uh, Will Anderson all afternoon. So I think that if Texas is in this thing in the fourth quarter, several things have to have gone right. But the most important player in that whole equation will be Xavier Worthy. Big opportunity for him. Think about him going off against Oklahoma last week. Need that kind of game again. Probably need an even more spectacular performance or at least a performance with more touches even than he had in that game. Next up, I want to talk about Will Levis for a second. The Florida Gators are hosting Kentucky this Saturday night. What a great draw. As it turns out for Florida, what a great draw. It's tough that you face these two veteran coaching staffs in Utah and Kentucky back-to-back. But the benefit of the schedule has been both of these have been night games. See, Arkansas is playing South Carolina. It's an 11 a.m. local time kickoff. Florida has not had to deal with that. So at least they got these two games at night. And I don't know that you watched. I think most of you did watch that Utah-Florida game. Did you see that home environment? I heard our buddy Zach Smith talking about this earlier today. Everyone wants to talk about, is Texas back? Everyone wants to talk about, is FSU back? Is the swamp back? I think the swamp is back. I think he's right. I think the swamp is back. Some would argue it never left. They would be wrong. But I don't ever think it became a non-intimidating environment. But anyone down there who has gone to games for several years and was at that Utah game last week, outside of that Auburn game a couple of years ago, which I was at, I was on the field for that Auburn game, outside of that, swamp hadn't felt like that. And it certainly hasn't come across like that on national TV. I'm saying all this because that is the, those are the teeth, rather, that Will Levis is leading Kentucky into Saturday. I don't feel particularly great about Kentucky's ability to run the ball against anyone right now. Florida, not the least. And therefore, if they're going to pull an upset, it's going to have to be disproportionately on Will Levis's shoulders. Now, I didn't get caught up in all the draft hype stuff in the summer. Um, It's not to say that it wasn't valid. We just didn't really talk about it. We're not an NFL draft projection show, so we didn't get caught up in that. Uh, Will Levis has a ton of talent, ton of potential. The reason that it is a step-up Saturday for him is because if you were to fast-forward three years down the road and Will Levis is starting for the Minnesota Vikings or someone like that, it very well could be that you trace the lineage and, and his progression as a quarterback back to days like this coming Saturday. What if he goes in there and the run game does stall, but Will Levis keeps on making third down throw after third down throw, makes some plays with his legs, uh, you know, takes a free blitzer off the edge and takes a shot, but it glances because he spins just in time and he keeps plays alive with his legs and he walks out of there, grass stains head to toe, but Kentucky wins 38 to 34. And you're looking, you're saying, wow. All that offseason, ooh, nasty word there. All that summer talk about Will Levis, maybe it was accurate. It's the kind of game he'll probably have to have for them to win. It is a definitely a step-up Saturday for Will Levis. Now we go to the state of Iowa. That's where we were headed this time last year. Remember the Renaissance Tour last year headed to Ames, Iowa for Iowa versus Iowa State. 
and I want to say the Cyclones were favored by five, six points, somewhere around there. Anyway, they lost. They went down hard, turnover after turnover to Iowa, and it made it a fairly boring game to watch. Meanwhile, there were much more exciting games going on elsewhere. Well, that was last year. This year, you don't have to worry about being favored because you're on the road and you are a three or a three and a half point dog against in-state rival Iowa, depending on where you look. And that, friends, is why it is a step-up Saturday for Matt Campbell. I could have picked a player, but I really think Matt Campbell last year, at the end of that game, looked himself in the mirror and said, I didn't have this team ready to play. And the reason I know that is because he stepped to the podium after the game and multiple times said, I didn't really have this team ready to play. Well, what lessons did we learn? Was that just coach speak? Did you really believe that or not? Because if you believe it, then, hey, this is a redemption opportunity for you. And, and this is just me talking now, I kind of talked about this the other night. I've done several radio hits this week and I've said this. I don't know if this is the case yet, but I think eventually, sometime this year, Iowa State will be improved at quarterback from Brock Purdy to who they have starting now, who is Hunter Deckers. Now, again, it's early, so I don't know if that's the case yet. I think they are a quality team still. Quality program, all that. We say that all the time about Iowa State. But here's the thing. Everybody watched Iowa struggle offensively last week. College football teaches us all the time. Rarely do you get the same thing week one to week two. Rarely. It could get better, it could get worse. It's just, it's rarely the exact same, yet everyone predicates their prediction. Ooh, redundant. Everyone predicates their thoughts. There we go. And what's going to happen in week two by what I saw in week one. I was not going to light the scoreboard up, but they're, they're going to have some type of adjustments. They're going to be able to move the ball somewhat, aren't they? Are they? I, maybe. Yeah, I think so. And so what I'm saying is you can't go in there, score 10, and then just run the clock out. There's got to be a more sound offensive approach than there was last year. And if they were to win this game, they snap a six-year losing streak against Iowa, it also probably announces that, yeah, they are a serious contender in the Big 12, even though they were probably written off a lot more in the preseason than you're used to the last couple of years. Hey, I'll give you one here that's way off your radar. In a game with a 51 and a half point spread, no less, how about J.J. McCarthy at Michigan? Well, how is this a step up Saturday? They're playing Hawaii. People started praying for Hawaii around Tuesday this week. It's going to be bad, but here's what's happening at Michigan. I know most of you are aware of this by now, but Jim Harbaugh started Cade McNamara at quarterback in week one. Check. And now this is the week where J.J. McCarthy is going to start. And there's a question mark. So we got a check from last week. Cade McNamara was what we expect Cade McNamara to be. This week, it is my belief, J.J. McCarthy will play at a level that coronates him as QB1 at Michigan. And I think after this Hawaii game, sometime... Shortly thereafter, Jim Harbaugh will announce that he is their starting quarterback. And that's my belief. The reason I think that is because I think on a step up Saturday for J.J. McCarthy, he's going to do just that. Uh, Cade McNamara is a very solid quarterback. Michigan is a very solid team with Cade McNamara. But I tweeted out earlier this week, and I'll tell you now, when you see us put Michigan at number four in the JP poll, just a little internal nugget here. When you see Michigan number four in the JP poll, it's because we've got that second name there, J.J. McCarthy, as QB1. So he's plugged into the model as QB1. We think they've got a higher ceiling with him there. We think that they can take advantage a lot more of still one of the most underrated wide receiver rooms in the country, and they can do it better 
especially down the road, they can do it better. It won't matter against Hawaii. It won't matter against UConn, Maryland. Gross, gross, gross to start the season. It won't matter there, but boy, will it matter. Eventually down the road, you got Penn State, you got Michigan State, you go to Ohio State, of course, at the end of the year. I got Michigan going to the playoff this year, and I've got them going there with J.J. McCarthy. But it's not up to me. It's not up to the model. It's up to him. He's got to step up Saturday. Lastly, I've got a whole team for you here. How about Pitt? We picked Tennessee to go to Pitt and win as a six to a six and a half point favorite this weekend. I'm not backing off that pick, but the thing about it is I picked Pitt to lose last week too. And somehow, some way, they found a way to prove me wrong. And it's another step up Saturday for them because what's the prize for winning in week one? You get to be a home underdog in week two against an SEC Eastern Division opponent. And yet Pitt played this game last year. They won in Neyland last year. And I've listened to Pat Narduzzi this week do the traditional Dabo Swinney, no one believes in us, should we show up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's playing it exactly how I would if I were the head coach at Pitt. And it's an opportunity for them to step up. Not only would this be a really, really big win for them just because it's a win. Secondly, it's because it's against Tennessee. Uh, thirdly, that'd be two weeks in a row with a brand new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator that you've gotten off to a really good start. I mean, there would be every excuse in the world. If you were 1-1, one and one, you would be understandable at 0-2. But if they're 2-0, and 0, and then you're looking at the rest of the ACC, this is not a conference game Saturday, but if you're looking at the rest of the ACC, if Clemson continues to look like they did offensively the other night, they're still really good, but you're not scared of them. You, they, not, they don't look like the dragon that no one's going to be able to slay. And therefore, if you start 2-0, and 0, and then you've got some breathing room. You go to, they go to Western Michigan. What are you guys doing? Anyway, they go to Western Michigan. They got Rhode Island the next week. Look at the conference schedule. Notice there is no Clemson in the regular season, by the way. Could get real interesting really quick for Pitt. So those are just some of the names or the entities that I think have a distinct opportunity to step up and to kind of change the old narrative around the program and the team this weekend. The narrative around here changed last week when we announced the Academy Sports and Outdoors had become our presenting sponsor. So we're now Late Kick presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Notice, if you live in Middle Tennessee like I do, there were a lot of people outdoors today because it was still in the low 80s, but boy, that humidity keeps going that way. And a lot of folks are headed to visit our friends at Academy Sports and Outdoors because this is the time of year where you don't want to be indoors on a Saturday. Some of you who don't even go to games just set up a de facto tailgate in your backyard. And for those, I have immense amounts of respect because you're, you're living the best of both worlds. You get the tailgate experience and let you get seven screens on and you can go inside and talk on a landline if you want to. And whomst amongst us doesn't love to do that every now and then. Academy Sports and Outdoors, really no matter what you need at this point in the year, that's your one-stop shop. And if you can't get there in person, academy.com has everything you need. And if you're in Austin, Texas this weekend, I'll have everything you need because I'll have a pocket full of Academy Sports and Outdoors gift cards and I'll just be traipsing around campus. Who knows where I'll be? So Academy Sports and Outdoors, we thank them so much. They make quite literally everything you see us do here possible. And they make it free. And all they ask in return is pay them a visit. And all we ask is you like the videos and subscribe to the channel. And by the way, as we dive back into the show here, because I've still got a lot to talk about, we have seen, to your credit, a massive influx 
of subscriptions and likes. So I know I say it every now and then because it quite literally is the lifeblood of the channel, both on podcast and on YouTube. So please keep subscribing. And if you've been stealing your sister's phone and subscribing under her name, that's fine. She'll be no worse off for it. In fact, maybe she'll learn something, but boy, it helps us. So we appreciate that. I've noticed that we had over a thousand subs to the channel yesterday. It's just a random Wednesday. I think we had 800 on Monday. So, you know, we, it wasn't too long ago, we were out in California at Elite 11 and we hit 100,000 and now we're at like 116,000. Feels like a few weeks ago. So I appreciate that. Okay, we got a couple more game breakdowns to do. This one was in high demand. I'm shocked. I am shocked. And quite frankly, I blame Jesse that we didn't break this game down the other night, even though he suggested it. South Carolina at Arkansas is a high noon Eastern 11 a.m. kickoff in Fayetteville this Saturday. And there are, in my opinion, some understandable concerns if you're an Arkansas fan, but there are also some understandable concerns if you're a South Carolina fan. To me, if I'm an Arkansas fan, no one's ever accused me of being such a thing, but if I'm an Arkansas fan, I'm not crazy about the start time. I know that they've had a little bigger issue moving tickets for this one than last week, and it's understandable. So what I'm worried about is we got a couple of corners banged up, probably out. Uh, you've always got the letdown effect if you win a big game. I'm not so concerned about that, but I'll admit, yeah, it's happened before. Maybe it's a threat here. But how many times have you watched these games where you've got that 11 a.m. kickoff, you're coming off a win, and most of your big games seemingly are still down the road. And meanwhile, here's South Carolina, a conference opponent. The line is under 10. It's Arkansas minus 8. And yet it just feels like it's there. The game's just there. And the last thing in the world you want is South Carolina pulling some special teams trickeration like they did last week. I don't know if a punt block's a trick. It's just a good play. Or you turn the ball over early, and for some reason, it just there, did this guy just yawn over here? Yes, he just yawned. It's that kind of game. That would be a concern that I think is valid, which leads to what I think their offensive approach will be, and I'll talk about that in a second. As for South Carolina, pretty clear. Everybody, and I mean everybody in that state, is talking about offensive line right now, and with good reason. Little suspect last week. And they're talking about Spencer Rattler, and with good reason. There was no flow. They weren't able to stretch the field last week. They didn't run the ball all that well. Uh, that was against Georgia State. Now, the score looked the way it did because they played very well on special teams. 35-14, to 14, I think, was the final they ended up covering against Georgia State. However, this is a different animal this week. Literally. I mean, it's the difference between a Panther and a Razorback. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to go on a little uh, 
probably 30 second rant here. I have read a lot of folks talking about South Carolina's win over Georgia State last week, and they've been quick to discount it. And I've asked why, and they've said, well, I mean, they got a bunch of special team scores. Yeah, they did. Are they not going to play special teams this week? Did they remove that third of the game? Here's how you can spot the casuals amongst us. People who discount special teams, but continue to say, we got to play good in all three phases. What are the three phases? Offense, defense, special teams. Do you believe that? Do you believe the game is split in thirds? Do you really, friend? Because you, you don't ever discount pick sixes. You don't ever discount 48-yard touchdown runs. But for some reason, if I block a punt and I score seven, you look at that and say, good for you. Here's a pat on the head. You got seven points. Never happen again. Those aren't even real points. I don't even value that as a true seven. Special teams, if you can play them at a high level, it tends to translate. And it's always a pressure point that you put on your opponent that maybe they don't feel every single week. So if you, can, if you can harass kickers, if you can harass punters, if you can return it yourself, if you can have 15 extra yards of average starting field position relative to the rest of their opponents, all that stuff adds up. So stop clowning special teams. That was like a minute or two. How much should I expect from South Carolina's pass game this week? Because I didn't get a whole lot last week. So certainly that has to be better. And this is an eight-point spread. So, I mean, we're kind of teetering on the if the upset were to happen, how would it happen realm, but we're not quite there yet. I think Cincinnati last week had five or six plays of 20 yards or more. So there were explosive plays to be had. Uh, the added takeaway, if you watch the game, were how many of those plays almost were big completions and were overthrows. So Arkansas has got a DB that's beat and Cincinnati doesn't execute the play. That's too bad for Cincinnati. South Carolina and a future opponent could look at that and say, wow, so, so if we have any time to throw, we've got a guy here in Spencer Rattler who can complete those balls. Uh, we got receivers, maybe, who we can trust to get open. Might we have a little more success through the air? Well, I, I speak very, write this down, Colin, trepidatiously. Because I don't know. That's why I'm literally asking you. I think the plays will be there. I think the opportunities will be there. How high a level they can execute that, man, that's anyone's guess. I would encourage you South Carolina fans, if you know that answer, let me know. Because I went back today, yes, being the soldier for you that I am, and I rewatched the Georgia State game. Bradley saw me. He sat in there. And I groaned audibly several times. So that week one, week two improvement philosophy, let's hope we see it here with South Carolina. Number two, guys with the ability to stretch the field on that team versus guys who did stretch the field last week, two different things. And that's where that whole offensive line and Spencer Rattler consistency and execution comes back in. Uh, it is not that they're without those kind of potentially explosive playmakers in the receiver department. It's just that when you look at the box score from last week, they don't really pop off. That doesn't mean they can't. It just means they didn't last week. So, yes, there is an opportunity for something to happen this week that didn't happen last week. And this is a somewhat vulnerable offensive or defensive secondary that you're going up against in Arkansas. So that's point one. Point two, because of the aforementioned early kickoff, because of the aforementioned potential sleepy letdown spot, and because of potential vulnerabilities in your secondary if you're Arkansas, I think they're going to go for the throat early. And quite frankly, I think their offensive game plan was to do that last week. And because of the way that first drive went for them and then Cincinnati, I think they backed off a little bit and they leaned more towards the run. And as a result, it was kind of a, a plotting first half. I don't think they want to duplicate that. They want to duplicate the win. 
the way they go about it in terms of offensive play calling and balance, I think will be a little bit different this week. And I think that early jolt, for the reasons I just mentioned, probably a little more necessary here. Man coverage is what they are going to see. It's the same thing South Carolina did out wide early on against Georgia State. I see no reason why they should change that philosophy. If, if I'm South Carolina and I'm looking at Arkansas and I know how they go about things, one of the best rushing attacks in the country last year, ran for over 220 last week. I think that's the way they're going to attack me and I will make KJ Jefferson beat me through the air. Now here's the follow-up. I think he can. Notice, I've said with both teams, I think there may be a little more action through the air, a little more success through the air in this game than there was last week. Both of them know they need to score, and maybe a little bit more than the total indicates they need to score. So let's take a look, given all that, what the model thinks next to what Las Vegas thinks. Now, before I looked at the model, to be honest, I thought we were going to be leaning South Carolina plus these points. Then the model says, not so fast. Vegas has Arkansas minus eight right now. The model has Arkansas minus 10 and a half. For those confused at what I mean by the model, I mean we run our own numbers, so we have our own model. I think Kendall Bryles has a couple of too many tools at his disposal. Trey Knox is a name I did not even mention here. One of the, do I say burgeoning very often? One of the burgeoning tight end names in the country right now, Trey Knox, is going to be a difference maker for them down the line and kind of was last week. I think Arkansas is going to win, and contrary to what my gut feel was, we actually have Arkansas covering. I think it's a higher scoring game. One of our official Ramen Noodle Express plays for this week is over 52.5. I think that number's already moved up to 53.5. I, I think it's going to get into the upper 50s to the 60s. So I like that number. Okay, let's head out west. Appreciate you guys watching. Make sure you like the video. Less than half of you have so far. Am I disappointed? A little bit, yeah. Not mad, just disappointed. Okay, let's continue. Baylor at Brigham Young. If Brigham Young wins this game, my vow to you, I will use the acronym abbreviated version to describe the school. Uh, it has been well-founded. I have trouble pronouncing the Y, and therefore I call him Brigham Young. But if you win the game, you have earned the right to make me look foolish. This is big for Baylor. I think it's massive for Brigham Young, though. This is an opportunity for a team that is headed to the Big 12 to compare themselves more favorably against Big 12 opposition than they did last year. Last year, they lost this game 38-24. I normally don't use the rearview mirror. I don't care how often you've played. I care what this year's game's going to be. Um, but because of the way last year's game played out, and you're looking at kind of the box score here, if you're listening on a podcast, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm focused on more in a second. But because of all that, this is a really big game, and it's one of the first of a number of spotlight games, national spotlight games for Brigham Young this year that they have to showcase their program and to measure themselves against big time competition. They've got Oregon in a couple of weeks. Uh, they got Arkansas coming there later in the year. So Baylor and Arkansas coming in there. Yeah, look at that schedule. They go to Stanford. Hey, did we give Utah Tech the late kick logo? Do we not have a Utah Tech logo? The first thing I told Jesse when he started here is don't embarrass me. The second thing I told him is get me a Utah Tech logo. And he's, he's, he's one for one at best, at best, paper pop. Okay, let's talk about this game. As I said, I do not go back to last year a lot, except I'm about to go back to last year. Because there's one key factor that, that went heavily. If we're looking at an electoral map, this part would have gone 
heavily in Baylor's direction. The old rushing offense statistics rear their ugly head in our review of last year's game film. Now, if you're following this game closely, I think you've heard this recited ad nauseum this week. 303 yards on the ground for Baylor in this game last year on 47 carries. Stats and info tells me that is 6.4 yards per carry. That, friends, is a padlock stat. And if you were to promise me that they're going to put up similar numbers, I would, I would say that's a soft padlock stat. I would say we pretty well know who's going to win this game. It was 31-14 to 14 at the end of three. Uh, 38-24 was the final score. Both teams really good on the line of scrimmage. They were good last year. They're good this year. I think Baylor has improved at quarterback with Blake Shapin, which leads me to my next point. Jaron Hall, quarterback for Brigham Young, rightfully will get a majority of the spotlight in this game. I think if we were to go back and do our Step Up Saturday segment and I added another name, Blake Shapin could be another name. Because while quarterbacks are never on the field at the same time, if you have future NFL aspirations, you already know a bunch of those scouting eyes are going to be on this game and probably in person at this game because they know Jaron Hall will face one of, if not the toughest defensive tests all year in facing Baylor. Well, you may get the added benefit of seeing a guy in Blake Shapin here that you're not talking a whole lot about yet, but you may be talking about down the road. So it's big for him, but it's also big in that we're sitting here focusing on Baylor being able to run the ball like they did last year. Imagine the opportunities due to the focus Brigham Young's got to pay to that run game that Blake Shapin's going to have. Who's he going to throw the ball to? I don't know. This is the kind of game you establish wide receiver talent in. So it's a big game for both quarterbacks. And I don't necessarily think that a lot of the shine is going to be on Baylor's guy, but I think at the end of the night, it could be. Let's take a look at what the line is, and let's take a look at what the model thinks. Uh, this is the one that I think we're differing on a little bit more, and, and I'm differing even more than the model differs. So Brigham Young right now is a three-point favorite. There are some three-and-a-halves out there. It's consensus three, and Caesars has it at three. The model here only has Brigham Young minus one. And that is without factoring in the uncertainty at the wide receiver position. Like Puka Nakua, I don't know if he's going to play. They don't know if he's going to play. Gunnar Romney, don't know if he's going to play. I tend to lean Baylor winning this game outright. Now, there is a rumor going around Provo, which is not true, that I don't like Brigham Young. I dress exactly like you guys do. I don't know where in the world that comes from. Got nothing but love for you guys, which is why I'm promising you, if you end up winning this game, you will hear me fail miserably in trying to pronounce the letters in acronym style that make up Brigham Young University. It's going to be bad, but that's better than any trophy you could ever play for, I think. So we're going to take Baylor to win outright. We're going to take Baylor plus the points. We're not done talking about that game for, I think, what are obvious reasons, but if they're not obvious enough, they will be in a second. Uh, that is a 10-15 Eastern time kick on ESPN. Normally, you're used to some leftover Mountain West nonsense. We don't call it nonsense, but some of you may. Nope, you get a premier game as late as 10-15 on the East Coast. Okay, upsets, upsets, upsets. Colin, I'm going to give you a good endpoint here in just a second. I've got something to say about this first game. You know, we've talked about Bama, Texas a lot this week, but written on this post-it on my index finger here is a little note that was brought to my attention today. Okay, Colin, here's your end point. Where are the upsets this week? We did not have monster upsets last week. And for my money, it feels a little too quiet around here. 
There are, there are point spreads, like Bama, Texas, for example, that are so big, you're not entertaining the thought. App State is at A&M. You're not even entertaining the thought. And I would just suggest, entertain the thought, because this is college football. So what are the odds? I'm going to give you a little 1 to 10 scale here. What are the odds some of these upsets happen? Why not, since we've already picked the game? This Bama-Texas game, pretty straightforward. If you can consistently maintain poise with Quinn Ewers, if you can consistently get Xavier Worthy involved early, if you can consistently turn 50-50 balls into 70-30 balls, and you can expose, and I say this relatively, if you can expose Alabama's corner play as not being great, but instead just being pretty good, this is all theoretical. If you can do all that, you may still lose. I, I hate to say it, you may still lose. I think uh, what Alabama's going to bring in there Saturday may be a little bit too much for anyone in the country to handle. I think it will be too much for Texas. So I put this at like a one and a half or a two. And I know that line is, is 20, 20, like, like that's nothing to, to scoff at. Uh, I think it's a two. We're going to be at this game. So if it goes down, unlike last year when we jetted home and we missed Bama falling in the state of Texas to Texas A&M, we're going to be there. Now, written on this post-it is the unfortunate testimony of the last time that I flew into Austin Bergstrom International Airport, where I will fly into tomorrow at an undisclosed time. Last time I flew into that place, I still have nightmares three or four times a week about this. I, I sauntered over to the rental car lot. I waited four hours in line, famously, at which point they only had a 16-seater van available. And so I hopped in that thing, and I just drove a 16-seater van around the state of Texas. Let's cross our fingers. Even those of you who claim to be my worst enemy, let's just, don't wish that on me again. Let's, let's have a nice Sorrento or a Rio or a Civic ready for me tomorrow. Please and thank you. Next up, App State at Texas A&M. Have you looked at this game this week? It started at 17. It's now Texas A&M minus 19. This, to me, is fool's gold. Total fool's gold. Folks are criticizing A&M. They, they pitched a shutout last week, and they're criticizing them because they only hung, I think, 31 on Sam Houston State. Look, here's the thing. One of my favorite metaphors is the crowbar and the bicycle spokes. And that is usually what happens when a timing and rhythm-based offense like App faces a defense with so far superior front seven depth and talent that you can't even get moving. And what happens is, instead of watching them score in the 60s last week and saying to yourself, yeah, even, even if we shave 50% of their production, they'll still be in the 30s, that's not the way it works. It actually just looks like you go from 100 to zero. You just grind to a halt. And so you very well could turn on this game, and the score in the third quarter is A&M 28 and App 7 or something like that, and you've, you've seen it a million times, but there's a million and one, and you find yourself foolishly asking, why didn't I see this coming? Why did I think that they were going to be anything against this defense like they were against the Gene Chiswick-led North Carolina ghost defense last week? And the answer is, they're not going to. I think Texas A&M is going to win this. I think they're going to win it comfortably. I do not have anything more than a two on the upset scale here. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not going to waste a whole lot more time on it. Next up, Kansas at West Virginia. Everybody of mine, every one of them, 
that wants to sound like the sharpest guy in the room has told me this week, watch out for Kansas. Now, my retort is, are you picking the upset or not? Not a single one has picked the upset. They're doing that classic text it so that if it does happen, I can say I called it without actually calling it. I had a buddy named Seth in high school. He used to call a home run before every at bat and would hit a few and then claim he called it. Well, that doesn't count, friends. You can't just be telling me, look out for Kansas. You can't be saying, watch where I hit this ball. And then if they pull the upset, if you go deep, all of a sudden you called it. Call it. Well, I'm not calling it because I think West Virginia's winning Saturday and I think they're covering Saturday. They are actually one of our Ramen Noodle Express best bets. And why do I think that? Well, I think that it is one of the biggest sighs of relief in America for JT Daniels, quarterback now at West Virginia, to go from being in the environment he was in in week one, uh, making a picture-perfect pass with time winding down and having a receiver just essentially take that thing and say, here, and the game as well, here. And I'm not here to bang on college kids. That's why I'm not repeating a name. But JT Daniels played well enough to win in week one. They didn't win. All that did for me is pull this point spread down a little bit further than it should be. So we're taking West Virginia to win and cover. I also cannot help but remember that that run defense for West Virginia played to the standard we expected it to. Remember that? Remember how I told you they've gotten bigger, they've added depth, they've done it specifically with Big 12 play in mind, and they held Pitt under, I think, two yards per carry. They held them to some very, very low number that is normally correlated with winning a football game. I think it translates very well this week. I think they've got Kansas's, well, I think Kansas has their full attention. This is a conference game, and they've got to get that taste out of their mouth, immunity. So I think that West Virginia wins this thing and covers. I've got it at a three, okay? Because I got respect for Kansas. I do. Not enough to pull the upset. So I've got it at a three on the upset scale. Three on a scale of one to 10. Now, Nashville is buzzing. And they're buzzing because our Commodores, the fighting Simmons for those on the streets out here. And if you know, you know, and if you don't, don't waste your time. But the fighting Simmons, uh, also known as Commodores outside the 605 or 615 of Vanderbilt, they're taking on Wake Forest this weekend. Good news, Mr. Hartman, the quarterback there for Wake Forest, is back. And that is good news because it was, it was initially feared that he was going to be gone a lot longer than this. And with that announcement, this point spread went from 6.5 all the way up to Wake minus 13. I still think there's a shot for Vanderbilt. The model thinks there's a shot for Vanderbilt. What I think they need is they need critical success on third down, probably like 9 of 13, 10 of 14, because you just can't let them start racking up plays. It's, it's, the padlock stat here will probably be the amount of plays that Wake Forest runs, which sounds kind of simple, uh, but... You know, sometimes this stuff's not all that hard to figure out. It's not rocket surgery, as some would say. And therefore, I'm looking at the upset scale, and this thing's 13 and a half. It's, it's accounted for the quarterback coming back. I think they need to rattle him early because there could be rust as a factor there. Could be. So I think they need to rattle him early. And by rattle him, I don't necessarily mean sacking him. I just mean creating enough disruption, maybe forcing some errant throws. Just get someone second-guessing over there. Get him second-guessing. Make him see 13 or 14 defenders on the field. If you can do that, and if you have critical success on third down, I think there is a 4.5 in 10 shot. You know what? Forget it. We're going to round up. 5 in 10 shot. I like Vanderbilt. Okay, They got a quarterback you need to pay attention to as well. 
I like Vanderbilt. So I'm going to give it a five on a scale of one to ten. I think it could happen. Why not? We've already got one gift with the, with the wing flap. Let's do another one. I'm about to, uh, so here's what I'm about to do. Here's the rest of the show. I'm going to read what it says on this post-it in just a second because it's very important for you and me. Uh, secondly, I'm about to give you two more best bets on the Ramen Noodle Express. And then thirdly, and this is really critical, we're going to open the live chat again. We got so many compliments the other night. And hello to the live chat, by the way. We got so many compliments the other night. I just kind of flippantly said, let's look at the live chat for a few minutes. And wow, you guys like that. So we're going to do it in just a second. Okay, Saturday, I need you to make sure that you stop by the channel. Not because there's going to be a show on, but we have taken our model, the one that we use to generate all these numbers, and we have created a live version of it. And on this channel, throughout the day on Saturday, a lot of you tuned in last Saturday. We had really good numbers on it. This is, this is basically, this screen will be nothing but a monitor. And it will be a scoreboard. And what it will be showing you are games that are happening live. And it will be updating with a fresh projection of what our final score is. What our model thinks the final score will be after every play. Obviously, this is tailor-made for you live bettors. We also have multiple scenarios on the screen. If this play is a three and out. If this play ends in a field goal. What is the model's thinking on what the new score projection would be? All that is free. We specifically designed it not to be signing you up on a subscription. It's all free. So just come by the channel on Saturday, set a reminder, remember, however you prefer to do it. Um, appreciate that. Secondly, let's talk about best bets. So we've already got, I think, four, Colin? Didn't we already have four the other night? There they are. So we've got the over 52 and a half in South Carolina, Arkansas. I just told you we're taking West Virginia minus 13. Eastern Michigan's at Louisiana Lafayette. We've got the Eagles plus 10 and a half. They are not from Ypsilanti, just Ypsilanti. There's a Y, but it's really, really silent. And Virginia, we got them at plus five. Uh, the consensus is plus four and a half right now. We like either number. That's not a key number. Virginia plus points, four and a half or better, at Illinois. Now, it's time to add two more. Paper pop. Oklahoma State is hosting Arizona State. The line is 11 or 11 and a half. There are plenty of 11s out there. 11's the number we're going with, but I like 11 and a half too. They are in Stillwater this Saturday, hosting Arizona State. We've got Oklahoma State winning by 16. So we are taking the Cowboys minus 11. And also, even though we can't fit it on our fancy graphic here, I am adding Baylor. Baylor plus three and a half. Or you know what? Because three is the more findable number right now, there are three and a halves out there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, make an ethics move here. We're going to take Baylor plus three. Baylor plus the points. We do pick them to win outright in Provo. So Baylor plus three. Let me make sure I mark that down here. Oklahoma State minus 11. Virginia plus five. Eastern Michigan plus 10 and a half. West Virginia minus 13. South Carolina at Arkansas plus 52 and a half. All right. Now, what was surprisingly fun the other night, I'm going to look over here. I'm going to pull this computer in close to me. And I see that you guys are revved up. And I I'm just going to invite you to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Any more questions? This is Thursday. We're going to get on a plane and go to Texas tomorrow. So the predictions are pretty much over. Is there anything that we have not hit? Do I think FSU's week zero game helped them over LSU? I, no, no. I, I think you can make the argument either way. I'm sure that I could talk to that LSU coaching staff and they enjoyed seeing you play. 
in week zero. No, I think you just out-executed him. Paxton, I'll see you tomorrow, bud. Where's the show for week four? Uh, Parker, that's a good question. It's undecided. But let me drop a little nugget. Here's a reward for watching the live show tonight. Wherever we are next week, wherever the Every Given Saturday tour is next week, we will have a live show from your campus on Thursday. First time we've said that on air. Yes, we'll have our brand new desk out on the road and everything. Big game Dane is going to grace us with his presence. Can you believe it? Pulling out all the stops next week. How do I keep my shirt so white? I just have my mom send me new ones. Auburn new quarterback. I think that you will see two of them this Saturday. And that begs the question, well, who are we going to see against Penn State? Who they play? You know, we got one more tune-up down there at Auburn, and then you got Penn State coming in. So we'll see. Uh, can North Carolina hold anyone under 400 yards of offense? For four quarters? No, I don't think so. Texas A&M recruiting class. think they're going to surge, and I think they will finish top 10. Don't have much doubt about that. Do I think Alabama has anything for Georgia this year? Yeah, I think, they're, I think they'd be favored if they played them today. So luckily, it's September, and it's a waste of time to talk about that. Yeah, I do think very much so. Look, the whole Bama-Georgia thing, I was on Dogs 24-7 the other day, and they get aggravated when I have Bama in the same sentence as them, which I get uh, because they don't want to be compared to anyone. Here's what I had to say over there on the dog vent. The national audience connects via metaphor and comparison. And the only program out there to compare Georgia to right now is Alabama. So I'm thinking about Alabama last year. They opened against Miami in Atlanta, same building Georgia just played in. And they ran through Miami. I mean, talking about it was really, really ugly. And everyone looked at him and said, no one's beaten Alabama this year. Well, yeah, they were. Georgia did later in the year. I'm pausing because I know some of you are saying something right now. You're saying, well, yeah, but they wouldn't have beat him if we didn't have injuries. Um, that's football, though. Whether that's true or not, that's football. That's my whole point. You don't make proclamations in September. You don't make conclusions in September. So as good as Georgia looked in week one, there could be flaws on that team that because you've only seen one version of them, Oregon wasn't built to expose. Bama had some last year. We didn't know how average that Alabama offensive line was going to be based off the Miami game, but they were. We didn't know that the offensive line coaching hire was going to be viewed as a borderline disaster because of the Miami game, but it was. So who knows? I think Georgia looks spectacular right now. I think they look like a machine. My point is, I'm going to ask for a few more weeks with both of those teams, with Ohio State, with everyone else. I would, I would suggest you don't sell Utah down the river quite yet, but that's just me. Uh, Louisville starting 0-3. I actually think they've got a reasonable shot against Central Florida this weekend. Let's just keep an eye. Louisville's one of those teams, they, they let us down. I mean, they crushed our souls in week one. We had them. We bet them at Syracuse, and they sucked water through a garden hose. They could be one of those teams. And Satterfield could be one of those coaches that's feeling about as much pressure as anyone this week. They could be one of those springboard bounce-back type teams. I could easily see them going down there to Orlando and winning outright and you're watching it saying, how is this the same team? How is it possible this is a collection of the same individuals that did what they did last week? They lost 31-7 to at Syracuse last week. Gross. Gross. And they go to Central Florida this Saturday, and they're a five-point dog. Does that make sense to you? Nope. 
Well, watch football for a few years and it will. And then they got Florida State. I think that's a Friday night game coming up. I'm trying to make sure the Central Florida game is not Friday night. But I know that FSU game is Friday night. So much so, I got an itchy nose here. I've considered driving up there to that one. I don't, it depends on where we're going to be next week. I don't think they're going to start 0-3. That's my answer. I don't think they're going to start 0-3. Why is Brian Kelly a bad coach? He's not. That's dumb. Next up, who finishes with the top recruiting class? My pick right now would be Alabama. Vandy will steamroll South Carolina. It's not even a question, just more of a comment. Not from me, but from the chat. Should NC State be worried about last week's performance? Absolutely they should. They should have lost the game. I, I, I hesitate to say that. I know there's someone watching in Fortson, Georgia tonight that does not like the word should have when it comes to a result in a football game. When I say they should have lost the game, I mean I watched incredible amounts of breaks go NC State's way to get that, I think it was 21-20, Jesse, get that one-point win against East Carolina. And yeah, yeah, I'd be worried about it. Uh, I wouldn't be worried about it to the point where, you know, I, I mail it in in the season. If I'm sitting here talking about how Louisville could rebound after a 31-7 beatdown, Certainly, I think NC State can narrowly get by in a win and be okay. We've seen it happen before. Uh, but I don't take nothing from it. I'll say that. Yeah, it was kind of ugly. Oregon will win 10 games this year. I, so I don't think that. But I didn't think that in the preseason. I had them winning nine games in the preseason. I will say I haven't changed my prediction for Oregon. So you got some folks in here saying they're going to win 10 games. I, I still think they can have a good season. Like, they play Eastern Washington this week. Do you see who they got next week at home? Brigham Young. Uh, they go to Washington State. That's when conference play opens up. My point there is they could still be a good team. They are not a finished product. They certainly weren't a finished product. They just got finished in week one, but they're not a finished product. So it's too early in the season also for anybody to be losing a locker room or to be losing hope. That doesn't happen. Even for the teams it's going to happen to. That's not happening in week two. So I think Oregon will be fine. There are plenty of wins on that schedule. They got Utah, but they don't have them until the second to last week of the year. Hey, that Oregon State game at the end of the year, if it were to go sideways for Oregon, I mean, that could be a game where they're a dog, not because they're terrible. I just think Oregon State's the best kept secret on the West Coast right now. Does Hendon Hooker have a chance at a Heisman invite? Of course he does. Yeah. It, it, Obviously, he's got to put up the numbers. We talked about what it would take for him back in the summer. Uh, but also, keep an eye on what Stroud does. Keep an eye on what Bryce Young does. You get it. Did you see the Dr. Pepper commercial with Young? The newest one, the one they released today. Acting is hard. That's why I just, I'm the same person every day, because acting is hard. And Bryce Young is not a professional actor. But you can tell people who can act. And you can tell others, like some of these NIL commercials are horrific. A lot of you like them. They're terrible. They suck. Bryce Young could go to Hollywood tomorrow. He's got the smile, and he's got the acting chops. And if you don't know, trust me, if you watch college football, you're going to see that Dr. Pepper commercial approximately, hold on, I got it written down here, uh, three million times this season. Bryce Young can act. No one asked about it, but I'm telling you, Bryce Young can act. Oregon State at Fresno State, test or not, Harry asked. Yes, this is one of the sneakiest good games this Saturday that I know most of you are not going to watch. Oregon State at Fresno State, the line is one either way. Make it a point to watch that one. Oregon State's got a lot of anonymity about themselves. Oregon State is like the West Coast version of Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a really good team. 
but no one's talking about them because of the division they're in. Oregon State, probably not being talked about because they're Oregon State, and you don't know anything about them because they're on the West Coast. Rapidly improving program, rapidly underrated coach, not amongst coaches, but amongst the general college football public. Jonathan Smith's a really good coach, and they've got a really good and improving program. Bryce Young fixing to get sacked all day and throwing picks. Who's sacking him? That's an open-ended question. I mean, did Texas figure out how to pressure quarterbacks overnight? Is Alabama's offensive line going to struggle that bad on the road? I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I know Utah State got pressure against him in week one. I also see what he did once they pressured him. Still running, still running, still running, still running. Slide, Bryce, slide. (sighs) He needs to act like he can slide. He acts in the Dr. Pepper commercial just fine. He needs to act like he knows how to slide. How can some of the best athletes in the world be so terrible at sliding? Jesse's played softball with me. He knows I got one of the best pop-up slides in the world. And yet, I'm not starting a quarterback for Alabama because I chose to play baseball. Uh, Next up, what do we have here? Do I think the general sports media is overreacting to Brian Kelly losing his first game? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I do. I sure do. I think we went pretty in-depth on that the other night. But yeah, I sure do. They'll win Saturday against Southern. Then they've got such an incredibly tantalizing, I think is the right word, a tantalizing game in week three. Do you know who they play? They play Mississippi State. And they play them at home. And that will be already, incredible though it may be to say, a do-or-die situation. Even though no one's going to die if they lose. And no coach is going to get fired if they lose. Someone somewhere is going to say, hey, it's do or die this week for LSU. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. But it will be a very, very intriguing and pressure-packed game. Hey, USC, someone just mentioned USC. So they play Stanford this weekend, and we didn't do a game breakdown, which is the way David Shaw likes it. And there is a situation out there with McKee at quarterback And you know that you've got Caleb Williams at quarterback at USC. It's going to be a very, very intriguing quarterback matchup out there this week that is not getting any national attention. USC opened, I think, as about a 12 or a 13-point favorite. It's come down to 9 or 8. And it's because they won convincingly against food in week one. They, They just chewed rice up. But it wasn't because offense just hummed and and put up 700 total yards. Now, it counts. It counts. Uh, but I think a lot of odds makers looked at it and said, we're not, gonna, we're not about to inflate a point spread because of that performance in week one. Let's keep an eye on it. Stanford's been off that radar for a few years. But they got the same staff out there. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same head coach. It's just that, you know, the, the conference kind of caught up with them. But let's keep an eye on that one. They like that quarterback they've got at Stanford. They like him. Josh Pate channeling his inner Beano Cook. Steven, my favorite thing about Beano Cook used to be his hatred for baseball. I love baseball. Bino Cook used to do the same thing every year in August. He used to do the national speaking circuit, and he used to openly say, as an elderly, a very seasoned citizen, he used to openly pray that if he was going to die, that God take him before the season starts, because he could not bear to start a season and not know who the national champion was. I don't remember exactly when Bino Cook passed away. I don't think it was during a season, though. So, kind of got it the way he wanted. Uh, Teams to buy stock in. Hold that thought. I think we're going to do that segment next week. Missouri at Kansas. Morgan, everybody, or Kansas State, everybody in the world is on the Kansas State sleeper train. Missouri is a a seven-and-a-half-point dog. 
at Kansas State. I gave consideration to making that an upset pick, but the model would not agree with me. And so when the model doesn't agree with me, what happens is I'm typing and it just, boom, it closes on my hand. So I'm not going to pick it. I, I mean, I, I would slightly lean Missouri plus points, slightly. I don't have a strong feel on it. I just, I don't, I, I get that Kansas State's a solid team. That's about what I get. They're a solid team. That's all I want to say. Tomorrow is your birthday. Well, happy birthday tomorrow. I don't know if anyone noticed. It's our 300th show tonight, and we didn't even bring balloons. I went to, man, I didn't even get a, I didn't even get a Publix cupcake today. So, happy 300th us, I guess. Thank you all for being tuned in. We, we started here right before COVID, just me and Director Colin and no one else, and huddled over there on, on whatever that road was we worked on over in Brentwood. And now here we are, downtown Nashville, high atop. How about that? I, uh, I think that's it. Okay, so Texas A&M, no, they're not on upset alert. That's the last question there. I appreciate you guys for being tuned in. Remember, 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 we'll have a live stream here on Saturday. Not of a show, but our live betting monitor. So if you want to check that out, feel free to check it out. Make sure you like the video before you head out. And make sure you are subscribed, not only to the YouTube channel, but the podcast. Those two things help us more than anything you can do. Don't super chat us. Don't be mailing us a check. All you need to do is subscribe and like. Subscribe and like. And if you don't mind, follow me on the socials, at Lake King Josh. Appreciate you guys. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Bate. Take care. We will see you in Austin, Texas this weekend, and we'll be back here Sunday night. Until then, God bless. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.